Welcome to Hollywood 2.0, this is Peter Katz. On today's show we have Jason Shu, founder and CEO of Battlefy, a platform for gamers to organize, play, and watch esports. Esports is one of the fastest growing sports right now. Teams of gamers practice and compete in top tournaments. Players take each other on for large cash prizes in front of millions of viewers. I started our first company uh, pretty much half a year out of school, um, and uh, basically that started uh, our, our startup journey. It was a completely different venture. Um, it was our first company. Uh, we were, back then, we were in sort of the Foursquare and Gowalla age, before the Facebook places, um, and location social media was just in its infancy. And uh, we were seeing all these people checking into places for virtual points, and we said, "Well, we can do something with this, more, you know, more impactful uh, with the check-ins." And so, instead of having people check in for virtual points, uh, we had people check in for corporate donations. And how that worked was, if you go into Starbucks and you checked in, you can pick a charity of your choice to have Starbucks make a micro donation towards. And uh, basically, with that simple transaction, we solved three of the biggest issues in corporate donations. One was transparency, two was um, uh, uh, basically cut their corporate donation costs down 70%. Um, and three was uh, basically allowed these funds to go not just towards the large nonprofit organizations, but also to the micro and the medium-sized organizations, uh, because before it didn't make you know, cost sense. It wasn't cost efficient to donate to you know a hundred different uh, small charities for a company, but now it did because we were basically positioned in the middle between all the charities and uh, the corporate donor uh, corporate donors. And you and you could see the the ROI on the support. So it wasn't just kind of this fuzzy. Oh, it's great, but we don't really know the impact. You know exactly who's there, who's repeating, and you know coming back. Exactly, exactly, and that actually made a larger impact than we ex- actually expected. So what we discovered was. Corporations had a, uh, had a CSR, Corporate Social Responsibility Department, who had a budget. And that budget was very small. They were, they were in charge of donating that money. But when we came up with that solution is we suddenly went to the marketing department who had a much, much larger budget and said, you can spend marketing dollars on these donations and get the same type of metrics. And so basically we actually increased the total amount of money that was available to, to be donated into nonprofits. And what was the transition like going from this, you know, this startup to uh, the one that, you know, that you're part of now, Battle 5. Uh, okay. So the first one was a complete, complete disaster or a failure. We went through this, uh, this one year startup curve when we were, you know, six months in, we were like top 10 startups to watch in the city. And then after 12 months, we were out of money and out of runway. And uh, I think... That experience was what um, drove us and so quickly building Battlefly was we, we, we learned every single pitfall of, of starting a business and we basically avoided it um, when we started Battlefly. And, uh, and so that was sort of a springboard for us. It's almost kind of like the true Hollywood story. It's like stars move so fast. It's like from celebrity to down to it comes up again. There's like this constant ebbs and flows is rapid. It is. It's a, it's a, you know, when people say startup is a roller coaster, right? Yeah, it is very much a roller coaster, right? And it's, it's going to be a daily process, going to be a monthly process. So, what is it like uh, working with the Grow Lab Accelerator, you know, kind of as the, the, 
the kind of you know as the initial backers right so so the interesting was uh, thing was uh, GrowLab is a um, accelerator in Vancouver in Canada, but we didn't actually go into their program. We were a side card investment of their fund, and uh, one of the things was it, we were we were way too early when they came in as investors to actually get into accelerator program. We we were at concept stage pretty much, um, and uh, and afterwards um, about you know about two months later. Uh, we launched our product and uh, we got quite a significant amount of traction and uh, and we got scouted out uh, by an LA VC firm called Greycroft. And Greycroft was like, well, you guys are too early for um, our, our, our fund, but you should definitely consider an accelerator here called Amplify LA. And uh, and that's what started sort of this whole thing when we I started talking to Paul Brico, Jeff Sullivan. And, uh, and found that there is actually a fit between us, and that's why I made the move to come down to L.A. I see, and L.A. is the entertainment industry. So because people have, you know, the Bay Area is obviously, a lot of people, that's where it's like, it's the most notable stars. But also in L.A., with you, where you're coming from, it almost seems like a better fit, potentially. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I mean, like, um, San Francisco accelerators were definitely part of what we're considering as well as uh, the ones in Seattle. And uh, comparing these ones, I mean, San Francisco had a huge um, advantage in terms of technology. But for us, is we're, we're half a entertainment company and half a gaming company. And, uh, and so LA was basically the hub. Uh, South, Southern California was basically a hub for a lot of the large publishers and developers and thought it was, it was geographically well positioned for us to be here, as well as um, you know, the, the, the venture backing behind the accelerator and the people behind the accelerator were extremely connected in the entertainment as well as the gaming industry. Because you're kind of the ESPN of the space. Yeah, that's what we're trying to be. Yeah. And uh, what have been some of the early challenges? You know, the ones that are obviously there's a million challenges running a startup day to day, but what have been the ones that you've learned the most from during the current lifespan of this? Yeah, it has been a, a, a big learning curve. Um, I'd say specific challenges was to get into some of the larger uh, partners uh, and publishers. Um, being a very small player in this space, which is uh, essentially an, an oligopoly of, of, of sorts, because um, you know the top ten games um, in this industry controls ninety percent of the players or, or more, ninety five percent of the players or more. And uh, and for for us to make it a footprint in this industry, we have to get the buy-in from these large players. And as a startup with you know not much traction in the industry, um, we we have to figure out a way to um, get their attention. Um, obviously, traction was one of them, but also having uh, industry veterans uh, behind us as uh, uh, support. And so we had we got a, a lot of industry veterans from the gaming sphere as well as the content sphere to um, to to advise us and, 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 and largely um, largely because of the help that Amplify has provided us um, that we were able to bring them on board into our, into our advisory board and they have been a, a, a huge force in terms of pushing us and getting us the access into the larger partnerships. And when it comes to uh... 
the kind of business development Amplify almost kind of acted in that way. The, the support she was the technology. It seems like the technology is there, but it seems like there are some walls that you need to break down. And who were uh, fundamental to that to that process? Uh, I think everyone in Amplify has been uh, super super helpful. Um, Amplify is one of those accelerators that we've seen uh, are, are super hands on, and so you know Paul Brico, Jeff Sullivan. Um, and uh, uh, Richard Wolpert, um, they've all been extraordinary in terms of connecting me with the, with the bright people, and uh, and they're they're like they're extremely extremely connected in, in LA and the ecosystem. Um, yeah. And and you're saying so some come from games and other come from other forms of entertainment like yes like like film TV possibly too um, or yeah um, traditional media and, and 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 television obviously so. So the, 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 the position that we're in right now is really trying to bridge uh, a, a very cocooned um, uh, industry, which is traditional gaming and esports. Uh, however large it is, it's very segmented and, 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 and uh, in one place and trying to bridge it with uh, traditional media um, and as well as traditional advertising dollars. And nobody has ever bridged that gap. Um, and it's a hard ordeal because um, on one side you have the diehard fans who are on the digital realm, who are basically viewing gaming content and playing video games, um, you know, more than uh, most sports, traditional sports. And then you got on the mainstream media side who they, they, they see the eyeballs on the digital side, but they, they're usually slower to move into these ad buys. And they don't really understand the, 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 the demographic and, and, and the, the viewership alongside side. And trying to be that, that company that really spearheads those relationships and say, hey, you know, e-gaming and esports is next NFL. And, uh, and this is how you guys should get into it. Um, and so bridging that gap is very hard. And getting those, you know, senior executives from you know, networks and, and different um, media companies uh, has helped us a lot in terms of understanding what traditional businesses are looking for um, and helping bridge that gap. And when it comes to brands, how they uh, responded to your offerings? It's, it's, it's a big mix, actually. So an endemic companies, so people like Intel, Razer, and, and the ones that, who have traditionally been uh, supporting gamers uh, have reacted very well to this. Um, the, 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 the real challenge and the, the, the real fun part is getting those non-endemics in. And so we're working with some of the largest uh, brands in the world right now, um, creating a, a bridge between, between that. And so uh, it, there's some initiatives coming in the next few months. Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of opportunities for you because there's like there's a challenge there's these competitions but it seems like they could create their own branded competition so it's not just like throwing a little ad here or there it seems like it could be very personalized to each campaign yes absolutely and that that's where the value that brands see is it's it's no longer just an ad buy and an impression buy it's actually an engagement buy and to them it's like if they're supporting some uh, the players from the grounds up Say, for example, they make an amateur cup that leads into a pro-am cup that leads into a professional cup, and they give players on the amateur level a, a place for them to build their skills, gain recognition, and get on top uh, of the ladder or have a ladder to go up. Um, you automatically have that connection that you can't get from just from a normal ad buy, and it's absolutely you're, you're, on, uh, you're right on the ball with, with value. And, it, and would you be... 
the ad agency itself or you be the tech would you support ad agencies because i was talking to social samba which provides technology that creates tv shows engage with fans and they they could customize their b2b uh with all the different you know you know industries to work with but they're not necessarily the they're not the creative at it are you would you also take the creative side for your offering um I think most of the creative side are not dealt by us. Um, basically, we're sort of like a crowdsource platform for content. And so uh, yeah. we bring together the, the players and the organizers uh, who, who create the, 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 the matches and then bring in streamcasters who in turn takes those content and then um, uh, curate them and then make them into uh, um, viewable shows. Um, so we're basically more of a facilitator than, than a creator. And who are the competitors in this space? The space is extremely young. And so we, we basically have two sides. One is the, the tournament players. So there had been, the last five years, a few um, esports um, tournament services uh, where basically uh, they provide a platform for organizers to um, basically uh, create and manage um, esports online. Uh, they've been very... Um, uh, small in scale, so some of the largest ones in North America are still very uh, grassroots. Um, what we've done uh, that's different from them is actually uh, integrate with games themselves and talk to publishers and developers to um, integrate our systems with the games or have the games integrate with us, and uh, as well as have relationships with media channels to, to help content creators distribute content. Um, so basically, that that part of the the, the the competitors is 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 one area. So the second area is basically the uh, the, the game publishers themselves, and so it's 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 more of a partner slash competitor relationship because they can decide to build it themselves uh, or leverage a third party service like us. And uh, what's what's what we see in the market is most publishers and developers don't want to develop this themselves because one is it's not their their core competency and, and, and two they have their team is so focused on building a great game rather than building a, a competitive service and it helps the whole ecosystem because uh, to use a third party service because as players we transition from one game to the other and we want to have a, a, a different gaming experiences but we want to have the same type of social experiences which is the competitive you want it to be uniformed you don't want like a million different ones it's like netflix there's there's plenty of film studios that produce content but if they all create their own vod it's kind of the market is just so difficult so they try to easier just kind of uniform way to stream these movies exactly exactly and it's just a behavioral thing that gamers want to to, to know what they're getting into when they're organizing a, a tournament, for example, because organizing a tournament across different games is the same experience. Uh, trying to get your team to compete with another team is is, is the same experience. So we're, we're trying to standardize that process. And uh, as this progresses, because we're popular, do you see more professional gamers coming out of this kind of these opportunities? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, with, with a system like this that, that basically aggregates different um, you know, leagues into one platform and where there, there's more, uh, you can aggregate eyeballs into one system or, or platform, uh, you get a lot of trans um, activity between the leagues. 
And so there, there's a lot more opportunities to have amateur players get discovered through these kind of systems. And once they're discovered, then um, they sponsors can can see them and they can get you know sponsored with a, a bit of salary. And then these players can hone their skills and, and, and go to the bigger leagues. So in a sense, you're kind of building out a the industry even more. You're making a you're making a more polished way to transition the amateurs into the professional field. Yeah, I think it's a it's an organic uh, thing that happened in in, in our platform. Um, originally, we didn't design our platform to be that way, uh, but um, as we've seen more players and casters and come on board, we see that organically we're 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 seeing a ladder being being created just by itself. But you see, like with YouTube, just uh, how this exploded, these types of uh, videos of popularity, that it seems like that there's an opportunity growing that that you're really in the field that there hasn't, it doesn't seem like that has stepped up in that level. Is that, is that the feeling you have? Like when you get into this, that you feel like, wow, there hasn't been someone that has taken it to where you're taking it now. Like, yes, that's a feeling I get. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We're definitely the first ones in this industry taking it um, to that next, next level. And, uh, and the next level is really bringing, um, uh, the traditional gaming experience and both from a viewership and a playership uh, perspective and, and, and taking that and making it possible into esports. Um, and we've seen it done in, in parts of Asia, in Korea particularly. Um, they've basically made you know, esports into the NFL level equivalent and they build the ecosystem around us. And basically we're emulating that ecosystem uh, for the rest of the world. Now, the popularity, which is huge, uh, you know, in Korea, do you see that in America, that America is going to start moving in that direction? Like that, not obviously not to completely, not carbon copies, different cultures right. and everything, but you see that that's kind of like where it's being pushed? So, so, so there's a few different, um, I mean, perspectives from this. Uh, first of all, it, it, the gamers, right? So the gamers are fanatic in Asia. But the gamers are also fanatic in North America and Europe. Um, and, and a good example is, you know, about seven years ago, when I was trying to, when I was a, you know, semi-professional StarCraft player, um, I was, I always watched, you know, replays from the professionals in Asia. And the only way we can actually watch it was to tune into uh, the Korean channels, the Korean digital channels or TV channels. And we always had... Uh, translators from North America translate these matches on forums and broadcast them through their own, own, own uh, computers. Um, there was no la- ever a lack of demand from the players in North America for viewing and for playing. It was it was just that we didn't have any uh, places to go to watch it. So when Twitch TV uh, went live uh, in North America about one a year and a half ago, we saw eight million uniques in the first month and they've been growing at 10% a month ever since right and most of that traffic comes from you know or used to come from North America and Europe and and so basically it was a nascent like people didn't know that that the playership the viewership existed most of the mainstream didn't and so the infrastructure for viewing and broadcasting and different things weren't there but once they were put into place everybody just jumped onto it because the demand was there and so when we talk about sort of North America being behind uh, Asia, we're really talking about the rest of the ecosystem, which is, you know, the, 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 the league organizers who are like, we don't have an NFL equivalent 
entity for, for esports in North America, someone who's a governing body. And then two, the media networks who are willing to take that first step risk to uh, uh, to having esports content on traditional television. Now, of course, there, there, there's talks, uh, uh, you know, discussions about or arguments about whether esports should be on television or not, because most people are consuming it online anyways. But traditional media networks embracing that content and distributing it on normal normal channels is a, a major step in terms of bringing this whole thing into into the level of would you would you compare it to ufc like the mixed martial arts how in the past that it was as popular as pride in japan or different areas but finally it's being embraced by fox or viacom so it's getting that support but there was always kind of a demand for mma and now they're just kind of amplifying exactly. it exactly totally the same same comparison yes you know, it was uh, interesting uh, when uh, UFC was kind of struggling initially. It really took off with the Ultimate Fighter, this reality show that supported. So it got in through like obviously TV, and it hadn't had that kind of mainstream introduction prior. It was all pay per view, and that was the kind of the game changing moment. Has there been a game changing moment uh, in esports that you've seen over the last year or so that you've started could compare that to? Like just kind of something that you've seen a shift, right? Um, on the digital level, absolutely. Um, so, for example, Major League Gaming and Riot has made two very large um, uh, events in the last, you know, four months. You know, Riot Games had, uh, who are the makers of League of Legends, now the largest esports game in the world, with 32 million active players a month, um, and they're based in LA. And they they actually had a season two World Championships that was held in a stadium. In LA, there was about 10,000 people in that stadium uh, j during that match, and about 8 million uniques watching it online, and that's broken records. And uh, and that trend is is basically th there's a trend in that, and and so most of it is still watched on digital. Actually, all of it is still watched on digital, except in Asia. Yeah. And the the the, the real big uh, evolution point is where the Fox Network takes that and puts it on 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 network television or through their other media channels or digital channels to have them into mainstream. And uh, I believe that's going to be a large turning point for, for North America and Europe. Let's, let's get a bunch of gamers and put them in a house. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's already happening. Um, so, uh, so basically, for Season 3 uh, for League of Legends, Riot Games actually salaried eight teams around the world. Um, and yeah. uh, they put a bunch of money out, and now they've all moved to the California area to set up gaming houses, and one of them is in Hollywood Hills. There's a mansion there, um, where there's so it's already it's already happened. The drama's already started. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And and there's a reality TV show coming out actually from one of the professional teams, uh, or I think late next month. So like that's perfect. So it seems like it seems like your goals and the the, the trends, the culture, and what's happening is kind of is in tandem together. And it seems like is it going as like faster or slower what is the feeling on your end in your business uh for us it's actually going faster than we expected and uh and so when we first started this about a year ago we, we were we've been following this industry for the past decade right and we chose that time to begin because we saw uh the emergence of of um cheap technology for gamers to play games and broadcast content and then have a place to actually have that content, so Twitch TV and YouTube, as well as the bandwidth to hold it. So North America, about five years ago, I, I was it was actually 
really expensive to get the kind of streaming bandwidth that we needed. So with all those technology and infrastructures um, in place, uh, we thought this industry was set to blow up. And so that's what we started. But we never thought that we would have grown this fast uh, with that much uh, tension from the non-gaming industry companies uh, when we first started. So um, from our perspective, it, it's it's been super, super good. And is your business model solely on um, advertising? Uh, no. So, I mean, content is definitely an area we will be uh, monetizing in. Uh, but uh, we want to basically expand the model of, of competitive play. And so there, there are things in the works that uh, we're going to um, basically monetize on, on the playership side as well. So there could be a gambling or a tournament style where, you know, you're a platform for that aspect too. So you got to diversify, uh, you know, the different ways that you could create value from these opportunities. Um, yes, and uh, you know, you know, gambling has been something that that's come up from some of our partners, and and you know, it's a it's a it's an area that we want to consider whether to, to go into or not, uh, just just because of the the, the nature of it. Um, so it's not in our horizon right now to go into gambling. Uh, yeah. So, but but in terms of paid tournaments and other things, it's it's definitely in the work. That's great. Was it? You know, it's almost like. If you start building that kind of traction of all those people, there's there's things that come out of the blue that you didn't think of, you know, that you just kind of see it, you know, as you build that foundation. Yeah. It's like the advertising is the most obvious, but now you're just gambling, because like a lot change, and then there's gambling is now, because right now it's like, it's, that was kind of tricky, but if the laws change and it's people are embracing that, it seems like a huge opportunity eventually. Uh, it, you know, no, it definitely is a starting it's it's definitely starting in Asia and Europe, and a lot of bigger companies are are, are trying to monetize uh, based on that. Um, uh, we, we we just came from a gamer background, and we really want to uh, uh, build the best experience for the gamers before we go into these kind of tangent monetization models. And just kind of look at it like long term. What is what is your what are the goals that you could as easily like kind of crystallize in your mind that 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 you're that you're you're moving towards over the next few years? Right, um, you know that that ESPN and esports concept is definitely the the the, the, the true north. Uh, but to get there is really to to become a, a name for that that gamers recognize to be synonymous to esports, and. And basically, we, we're building the ecosystem as well as the technology to, to help grow the industry as a whole. And so uh, to do that is we have to bridge a lot of gaps right now that, that exist in the ecosystem. So, you know, I had, I had this diagram where I had, you know, uh, the players, the organizers and the viewers, right, in a, in a line. And basically, the, 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 the bridge between those three right now is extremely uh, dotted. Uh, they're scattered everywhere. Uh, there's no a single point of contact for the publishers towards their organizers, the, the viewers, the players. Um, the, 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 the sponsors are having a, a very hard time trying to sponsor anything uh, below a, a pro-level tournament um, because of all the, the work, the diligence work they have to do. And so basically we're trying to solidify that industry and create some standards for everybody uh, and, and a place where everybody can go and say, you know what, if I'm an organizer, I'm going to use this platform to organize my league. This is where my players are going to see it. This is where my viewers are going to see the content. And then this is where all the um, uh, sponsors are going to see and say, hey, these guys are making a lot of traction. 
they they're affiliated with Battlefy. That that means that they have a certain amount of due diligence already done with them, and so we, we we're more than happy to jump on board as a sponsor, and we want to facilitate that that whole 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 experience, and and the goal is to be just when you know a year or two down the road when. Pl- player think about competitive video game play whether it's on pc whether it's on xbox whether it's on 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 playstation or even the newer consoles like ouya um they think about us instantly and say hey let's go on battlefire we can find whatever game we, w- we want to compete in, in in and go for it that's funny as as you become more like espn espn is like probably figuring out all the different digital initiatives so it's almost like once you could get on the tv screen it's like what is what separates you from anybody else? You know, when you know what I'm saying. Once it's in, the, like, I sit we have a group of you know friends can sit down in their living room and watch. It's like, what is preventing you from you know being the ESPN of it? You know, it doesn't seem like there's a lot. It seems like if you get the right traction, it's all about you know cornering that demand. But there is a big demand. If you look at Machinima, it's like getting better ratings than TV shows. <laughs> you know that are that you typically. So it's like, what is like is TV the big is TV the golden ring in the end of the day? You know, because at the end of the, when you look at online, it's the the views are probably comparable or even higher for the some of these uh, video game oriented content. Yeah, um, and and this is sort sort of the, the the weird aspect of it is 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 uh, there's more viewership right now on digital, and yet ad spend dollars are are disproportionately still high on traditional. And, uh, and so, I mean, that's, a, that's an industry trend and, uh, and we'll help to shift it and they, they are slowly shifting, um, but, um, but that, that'll take some time. All right, so the last question, uh, thanks so much, you know, let's wrap it up. But the last question is, um, what do you think about the, the Kickstarter and how Kickstarter has, backed, uh, has been kind of part of the ecosystem for supporting uh, games? Is it a positive impact or a negative one? Oh wow! Um, personally, I think it has been a positive effect, uh, just because I, I know uh, I know personally some some of the people who have very successfully raised funds through these crowdfunding platforms, um, and uh, and all of those people who are companies who have raised these kind of money where they couldn't have uh, traditionally have grown to be you know you know. Tremendously successful producers of games or producers of content and other things, and maybe they would not have become what they have without those crowdfunding platforms. And so, and 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 one thing to understand, I think, from from a gaming culture is if you know gamers are a lot, are very willing to, to to spend money on things that they support and love, and with a crowdfunding platform, it allows them to 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 do that on a on a monetary level on a substantial level. And, uh, and uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we would love to work with more crowdfunding platforms to, 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 to help this issue. Thanks for listening to another episode of Hollywood 2.0. You can check me out at petercats.net. It's K-A-T-Z. And you can email me at catsfilms at gmail.com.